Today on the Fahrenheit podcast, I want to unpack this theory that I have that brand design and personal style are one in the same. So here's the thinking. Brand design is everywhere. It is in every product we use. It is in everything that we look at. It is in all of the things that we buy. And it is really no different than the things that we choose to wear. We wake up in the morning and we pick an outfit or an item or a look that helps to communicate who we are or what we're feeling that day. And even the act of not caring in some ways sends a signal too. When we build brands here at Fahrenheit or when we build brands and businesses out in the world, we're constantly thinking of the vision and the visual that they create and the perspective or position that gives them in the market. When you're building a brand in an already penetrated category, you're often looking at the competition to see what they look like in order to try and stand out from the crowd. And this idea of standing out from the crowd, well, that's fashion. When you see those incredibly fashionable people who really have a core identity and they represent themselves through their clothing, we call that standing out from the crowd because it is in essence choosing to put your identity into this visual form. And we do that every day with brands. The Coca-Cola that you might be drinking right now, well, it didn't just appear there. In fact, from 1899 to 2007, the Coca-Cola bottle was redesigned nine different times. Of course, the goal when you're redesigning an iconic brand is to keep its heritage, to keep its rich history, and to retain the brand identity that you want to present, which in the case of Coca-Cola is the core idea of happiness. But of course, you want to evolve and you want to adapt to modern times, changing consumer behaviors, changing consumer trends, and of course, style. And while design in some ways is timeless, it changes just like personal style changes. Some people take a different approach. Some like a more uniform mentality. Steve Jobs is one of the most famous examples of people who wore a black turtleneck almost every day of his working life. While others choose to be distinctive, some people want to be efficient. Obama is known to only wear a gray or blue suit to minimize decision-making around smaller things in his daily life. And when you are the former president of the United States, you can imagine how comforting it might be to not have to make a choice even a small one. Some choose to be more relatable to their audience, their customers, or their community. Mark Zuckerberg is a great example. He's been quoted as saying he owns about 20 identical gray t-shirts. And for him, he dresses casually, never in a suit, because it represents a generation of people who dress that way and who are just like him. For him, it is more of a choice of relatability than of efficiency. But is it still not a choice of his own brand? and of how he wants to represent himself or his community out into the world. Whether you're a simplifier or a brand builder, the two are interconnected. If you're making a choice to simplify your daily life through your own personal style, that is ultimately a reflection of your brand. How many of us say, I don't have the time to look X, Y, and Z way in the morning? And if you're making a choice to brand yourself in a certain way, it's ultimately a reflection of your personality. Our psychology plays a role in how we show up in the world no differently than how psychology plays a role in how brands show up in the world. In the case of brands, we often look to the consumer, their mindset, their likes, their dislikes, where they're from, how old they are, right? All of these different key elements of their psychology that go into us defining the right way for a brand to present itself. In the case of our own personal style, we are the customer, but what we don't realize or what we maybe don't want to realize is that the world around us is reacting to the way that we dress. 
And for Mark Zuckerberg, as an example, while there is a community of people out there that really relate to his hoodie and gray t-shirt, there's a community out there that might think that that's unprofessional. And so what you really have to understand is that the way we show up in the world and the way brands show up in the world is a psychological challenge and opportunity. And it is also at the mercy of personal perception in what we see and how we see the world. I've really never been the kind of person who spends hours getting dressed every day. I leave that to my twin sister, Amanda, who is a director at Harper's Bazaar and who I've admired for her sense of style and really her effortlessness in getting dressed every day. For me, it does not come naturally. It is a huge pain. And so I chalk it up as one of those things that I don't quote unquote have time for. Inherently, the not caring, not trying, or not having time because I'm so busy is a part of my brand though. And that is a choice that I am making whether I like it or not. So today on the Fahrenheit podcast, I thought that we would have my dear friend Sophie Lopez join us to talk about how your style is inherently connected to the brand that you are building and how whether we like it or not, the visualization of who we are and how we show up in the world, well, it matters. One of my favorite quotes is act as if. And what's interesting is that even as someone who doesn't subscribe, if you will, to this idea that I have to dress the part, I can think back to really critical moments of my life where I did. When we get dressed for those critical meetings or those big opportunities or those nights when you're single and you really want to go out into the world and feel confident in who you are, these are all active choices. And if you are not a brand builder and you are not a brand designer and you're trying to figure out how to bring your business to the world and how it should be visually presented, there are tools that you already have because you're using them every day for yourself. For me, one of the things I know to be true is that when I want to feel confident, when I want to be able to take on the world, I put on combat boots. I am said to have no clothing, but a closet full of really badass combat boots that for me, make me feel strong. And so these are ideas, these are psychological tricks that we can apply to not just acting as if, not just showing up in the world as we want to be seen, but also to help our brands do the same. So I'm so excited to have Sophie on the podcast today. Sophie and I met about five years ago on a girl's trip to Ibiza, and I was immediately blown away by her style. She is a brand builder. Sophie talks about the difference between fashion and style, and there is no one that has more style and swag than her. She's been a stylist to celebrities, musicians, artists, and creators from Muse to our dear friend Kate Hudson, and she is the person that helps bring their personality and identity to life. The same way that I help bring brands to life through brand design and graphic design and this visualization of their identity, Sophie does it through clothes and accessories. So I am so pumped to have her on the Fahrenheit podcast today to dive into style, personality, your individuality, and how your view of the world can come through in visual identity and of course, clothes. In the spirit of the Fahrenheit podcast, I'm so excited to have you today because I've been thinking a lot about this topic and you were the first person that came to my mind to debate and discuss it with me. So obviously what we do here is we design brands and I think about like the label, like, okay, I have this random Kiehl's product here. This is not product placement. I actually am obsessed with this. And like, this doesn't look the way that it looks just by chance someone put intentionality into how it was designed and how it shows up in the world. And when I think about the people that really express style and individuality best, I think of 
stylists. And the best stylist that I know is you. What I really want to dive into today is not just what you do, and I'd love for you to tell everybody a little bit about your background, but also how does your personal style represent your individuality? I think it differs for everybody, but for me, ever since I was young, the way that I dressed was kind of a form of self-expression. I'm kind of, I still am, less so now, but as a child, I was, I was always kind of shy. Playing with clothes and it became a way to sort of show people who I was without having to actually say anything. <laughs> and even still, it sort of is. It's still almost a form of communication without communicating. You know, I don't think that that applies to everybody. I think it's so, so unique to the individual. But for me personally, it's always been an extension of my personality. So it's sort of like my insular personality reflected sort of on the outside. As a celebrity stylist, like how much psychology goes into what you do? You, you kind of like have to separate the two. So for example, my personal style and aesthetic, it is within me, but it's also, it's not something that I would directly put on somebody else. In the same way that I say that my personal style is a reflection of my personality, when you're working as a stylist and you're hired to help create identities or to create visuals for another person, I mean, every stylist works differently, but I would always take into account the individual's personality also. So you want to kind of mirror an aspect of them on the outside, if you know what I mean. So it can't be directly, it can't be completely just what I would wear that I would put on somebody else. It's kind of the, the vision that I have of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. And part of like why I was excited to dive into this is because I don't consider myself a great dresser. Like I'm just going to put it out there. And I think (laughs) I actually told Sophie Sophie, that for my birthday, I wanted someone to come in and style my whole closet and tell me exactly what to wear to every single event. And I've definitely feel like I've struggled with my personal style and like figuring out what exactly I want. But what I do know is certain like moods that I'm in when I put a specific item on to like amplify that mood. Like I feel like a combat boot is like a really serious expression of like the mood that I'm in or even maybe like the energy. I've seen your boots. Has no style, but a wide range of combat boots in her closet, right? Yeah, so much of our personal style is reflected in what we wear, but we don't always think about it. But that's really your job. Maybe tell me a little bit about how you do approach dressing others. You meet with a new client, you meet with a new celebrity. Like, where does that understanding of their brand identity start to begin? It's like any relationship. So it's it's a bit like going on a first date and then a second date and then a third date, and you kind of start (laughs) to understand the person better. And it's like it's it's like the first fitting, the second fitting, and the third fitting. You learn to understand the person's likes and dislikes, you kind of can start to begin to understand how far they can be pushed, like what people's boundaries are, confidence levels and trust levels. So in the beginning, they might not trust you as much as they will by the the fourth fitting. 
So these are all the things that you kind of, with any new relationship, you begin to develop more trust with the, with the person and a better understanding of their personality. And they then begin to understand my taste. And then if it works, doesn't always work, but you mesh the two and then you build on what's already there. Or like, that's my job to see what's already there and then build on that and add the little sprinklings of, of what my taste is as well to that. And that's sort of how it works. That's my job too. My job is to understand what founders are trying to build and create and put out into the world and then figure out, right, with this level of trust, once they've gotten to know me, how to present that to the world, right? Like whether, you know, for me, that might be a label or a website or an Instagram campaign, whereas for you, it's the it's the literal clothing that we're wearing. How much do you think style impacts leadership in terms of the way people influence their audiences, their fans, their customers, their teams? What a great question. I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> asked a lot of questions. All new things here on the Fahrenheit um, podcast. Listen, I think, again, everybody, every human being is different. But I, even from when I was at university, I would dress up for my exams. So I would put a heel on, I would put makeup on, and I would put on a strong look that I felt amazing in to go and take my exams. And everyone would think I was crazy. They're like, what are you doing? Everyone's in sneakers and they're in their jeans and their sweaters. And I'm like, no, I need to go feel good. I need to feel my best self. I need to have the confidence. And I would go into my exams all dressed up. I felt that it just helped me to show up my best. And that would help me in the exam. It's sort of like my combat boot trick. Do you have other good tricks like that you just know always work for making someone feel confident or beautiful or successful or strong in their own skin? Certain people need to be comfortable. Some people will want to be in something that feels cozy, like a cashmere, like a really soft something where they're feeling sort of like they're being held. <laughs> you know? yeah. Even things like that. I mean, I sometimes need to feel that. So like, if I'm feeling like, I don't know, if you were feeling heartbroken, I would go to like my coziest, softest cashmere that I've had for 10 years. And then that's what you'd want to put on. You'd want to put on your comfort, something that, that comforts you. So yeah, I guess, but I don't know. It depends on what you are. I'm five feet tall. And I want to feel... <laughs> confident, I'll find the biggest pair of platforms I can find and make myself tall. And you will rock those platforms. And I will do it. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. How important is consistency? Like when you're thinking about building a brand, how important is consistency of that look and style? Consistency in fashion is actually, I think it's a, a good thing and a bad thing. You don't want to be too too consistent where you become predictable. I think predictable is boring. For example, if I'm dressing someone on a red carpet, I really like to do something where to put someone in something that you would that is a surprise. Because I think as an audience, we're so used to seeing there's so much out there that it's actually quite difficult to surprise people. And I think people like to be surprised. So, and also it keeps things interesting. You wouldn't want to be sort of a one-trick pony churning out the same 
even if it's great. You know, if they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke and it's been the same thing for a while, then it's like, then you may as well not put out anything new. It's really good to have an aesthetic that's yours, but I also feel that you can never know enough. So it's like learning or anything. You should always be experimenting. Otherwise, you become stale. Or like that's my fear is to become stale. Yeah, it's sort of like understanding, again, that brand and that aesthetic, but then creating innovation or exploration within that framework. And that's how you continuously evolve and grow. Do you have a favorite moment or two of experimentation where you just really tried something that worked? I feel like there was one one Valentino dress we did for Kate Hudson uh, on a red carpet that was so different from her like usual like sexy Versace thing. And then we had this like pink, it was almost like this pink milkmaid dress with like hearts all over it. <laughs> when I took it in the fitting, I honestly didn't think that she'd go for it. And there was some debate that happened. But in the end, we were like, we love this dress. It's super, it's like frilly. It's like all over the place, but it's, we love it. And she wore it and some people, and the reaction was funny because some people were like so confused and then other people <laughs> loved it. But it's one of those, like, I feel like when some people like it and some people don't like it, that's a good thing. That shows that you, you are pushing boundaries. You're creating a reaction. Yeah. And I loved that moment. I loved like, and I don't usually look at press, but I couldn't not look at it because there was a lot of like, some people loved it. Some people hated it. Some people were like, she looks like she's, you know, it was just really funny. That's probably my favorite one of like experimenting because it was so different. And because I think we took like people just weren't expecting it and they didn't know how to react to it, which is funny. I feel like your story, you know, this idea that our career trajectories are so clear. I think your story just punctuates like they're actually not. And in fact, it's really about carving a place for yourself, your individual journey, and then really charging forward. So what happened after? So you ended up working at GQ. You were the fashion assistant there. And then where did you get this moment, you know, this aha moment to go off on your own as an entrepreneur? You know, I ended up at GQ for four years. During this time, you know, it's like these little opportunities that arise. After I'd been there for about three years, we were working with the fashion director. We were working on this portfolio of new bands. And we're talking about the era of, you know, it was like Kings of Leon days, right? <laughs> like the day of the band, the indie band. So we'd started working on this portfolio, which it was like Mick Rock was shooting it, it was the 16 up and coming bands of the following year. So these were all like small little indie bands that nobody had heard of yet. And for some reason, the fashion director couldn't do one of the shoots, one of the shoot days. So she sent me. And like, I had never really done, you know, those, I've never really done a shoot by myself, but it was like this little band, it was fine. It was, you know, whatever. So this band were called Clapsons. And after this one shoot, they asked me to help them out with a few other things. So they had like first TV appearance. It was like Jules Holland, which is the, the music show in, in the UK. And I was like, oh, great. I'd never even freelanced before. Like, so I didn't <laughs> really know what I was doing. But 
now I understand that I was in a really fortunate position because I was the fashion assistant at GQ. Everybody knew me. So all the designers knew who I was. You know, I had these, all these amazing relationships and I'd speak to these people all the time. So then I'd be like, yeah, I've got my little band and everybody <laughs> want to do me favors. So this band would end up wearing like Alexander McQueen and all these amazing designers, which now I can see how amazing that is because now I realize that how difficult it is to actually do that. And then the band ended up, the album came out and it blew up. <laughs> and they were being shot for like Lomo Vogue and people really liked the way they dressed and they ended up performing at the Brit Awards with Rihanna. It was just like, and all of them <laughs> sort of, you know, it was a fun experience because they were new to it and I was new to it. So it's so cool. I feel like when you build your career in parallel, right? Like one of the things we've actually talked a lot about here at Fahrenheit is this idea that you don't always have to reach up, but look to the sides, like look who's around you, look who's at the beginning of their careers and you can kind of build and grow together and how rewarding that can be. But you had this band, you know, how did you translate like their personality, their music, their vibe into their style? Because in some ways you were responsible for really creating the brand of that band and celebrities beyond. The great thing about Claxons was they were already a band that pushed boundaries in the way they dressed before me. So they were not afraid. They had a lot of courage in the way they dressed. And then what I was able to do was refine it and then have access to, to real, you know, amazing. But they were wearing Moogler. We'd call in the craziest, most avant-garde pieces from wherever, and they would just wear it. There was no other band at the time doing that. Everyone else was wearing leather jackets and jeans. And these guys were wearing, like, fluoro. They were wearing, like, reflective fabrics. It was kind of it was kind of wacky, but at the time it was fun. You know, it was just a lot of fun and a lot of experimenting. For someone who's just starting out, whether that's a band, an entrepreneur, a creative, a brand builder, what advice would you give them to help crafting their style? It sounds lame, but it has to come from a place of honesty and sort of mm. authenticity. It's easier to look within and then think about what you're attracted to, what you know, what's inherently there already. Then go from that. I've always been of the belief that if you, if, it, if, if you're working, it's different with models, but if you're working with a personality, I sometimes feel like you can tell when they've been put in look 24 from Louis Vuitton. That's fine. But if you're doing that, if you're creating your own one, your own thing, I think you want to try to come from a place of, individuality and groups to yourself. Talk a little bit more about authenticity and honesty in style, sort of the thinking behind that. How do you, how do you find that? These are difficult questions, Farron. I don't know. Okay. We're here with hard hitting journalism here on, on the Fahrenheit podcast. Well, you know, here's what I do when I'm looking, when I'm trying to put a concept together. So for example, if it's for a photo shoot, even when I'm doing photo shoots, I like them to have a narrative. Okay. So mm -hmm. you have, you, you're doing a story. You're like, what is the narrative of, of the story? It could be color. It could be a fashion narrative or it could be a story narrative. Right. Totally. Um, and I would suggest to somebody like, you want to try and make whatever you are trying to visualize concise, right? So I try and do mood boards. 
I'll do mood boards for most things that I'm doing, whether it's you're pitching for a client, whether you're doing a photo shoot for a magazine, whether you are pitching for a commercial job, you know, or an ad job or something like that. Mood boards for me are an important part of my process because they help me refine my idea. I find it a lot harder to verbalize imagery. Some people are brilliant at that, you know, like uh, fashion journalists. That isn't my strength. My strength is I'm go- I can say, look, like this, this is yeah. that. <laughs> but in order, if I'm you know, having a conversation with somebody, I'm aware that my strength isn't describing in words images. And that's why writers are brilliant, that they can conjure up imagery through words. Like that's an amazing skill. Wish I had it, but I don't. So instead, I do mood boards. We all have our strengths, (laughs) but it feels like to answer that question, right? Go with what feels authentic and is honestly yourself. And a tactic that you're giving us, a good way to start to like uncover what that might be is through the visualization of it. So mood boarding, which honestly sounds super simple, but it's really not. We do this all the time for brands and it's what helps us to tell a narrative and create that deeper story of like, okay, it could be this or it could be that, but it's not, it's this one thing. And through that framework, we can start to say, okay, here's the story that we're telling. I love what you talked about with authenticity and honesty, because I think more often than not, we're looking right and left at what other people are doing and trying to replicate them. I read this amazing article years and years and years ago about this executive at MTV. And I I honestly reference this article all the time, but it was this article about how she was so cool because she had like crafted her own style in this corporate setting and wore a variety of Nikes every day with suits to work. And I remember reading this article being like, that's my kind of girl. But when I started going into work, and specifically when I was at Michael Kors, I was not dressing like myself. Like I felt this need to dress the part more than just to lean into my own individuality and in my own personality. And arguably, there were days I didn't feel so great. Like, I feel like, to your point of what makes you feel comfortable, by dressing like someone else or like this archetype of what I thought like a girl who worked in fashion had to look like, I sort of missed the whole point and ended up looking like this weird, not so great version of myself, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can say it because it's easier for me because it's what I do for a living. So it is difficult to craft your own. It's easier said than done. I had a similar experience where I came from East London, Hackney, and ended up moving to LA into Hollywood and then sort of dropped out of a plane into (laughs) the middle of like some sort of super elite Hollywood environment. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. At one point, my hair was bleach blonde. At one point it was green, you know, and I was like in my weird, like my, you know, little hipster outfits. I would be the girl in DMs and I'm sort of hanging around all these very sort of refined, sophisticated people. And I'm just like, literally like, look what the cat dragged in. Like, that's how I felt. And there was definitely a wobbly part. There was a wobbly time when I felt like I needed to change. And there was a, definitely a time when I felt like I was trying to keep up with the Joneses because, I don't know, I c- kind of came from a very arty 
environment, like I would hang out with creatives in London. It was more free in terms of, it felt like individuality was more embraced. Whereas when I came into this environment, I sort of felt like people would be like, oh, that's weird. Look at the weird outfit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, is my outfit weird? I didn't even realize. I mean, this is how I feel 98% of the time, but I feel like when I look at that girl at the party, the one who's totally herself, comfortable in her own skin, wearing something that represents who she is, that's the person I admire, right? It is actually when you are at your most authentic self where I feel like you're really centered and rooted in who you are. So it's ironic that like the thing we're often trying to change and move away from is sometimes the thing that makes us like the most powerful. Yeah. Because I think of your unique style as so powerful, so badass. There are so many times that I've been with you where I've been like, I wish I could wear that. But if I tried to wear it, it wouldn't be me. And I would probably look really ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. What I will say is that I came into that, you know, I went through a wobbly stage where I was like, maybe I need to be like more chic and maybe I need to wear like, I don't know, like maybe I should be wearing like designer clothes and all of this stuff. And then I went full circle and then I sort of lost myself for a moment. And I was, you know what? And then you just come back to yourself. I feel like sometimes you lose it, but then it's there. You come back. So I can definitely relate, even as somebody that that's what my job is. I can relate to that story that you told. It's like a moment of surrender. Yeah. Where you're kind of like, this is me. Yeah. Here I am. You know, it's not to say that you don't evolve because I'm now a 37 year old woman. So I'm not going to dress like I did when I first got here because I was eight years ago. I was kind of younger. Like now I'm, my style has developed a little bit. My circumstances are different. So it evolves, but it's still sort of the core of it. The core of that taste is still there, but it's just grown up a little bit. The core of who you are is still there. Yeah. And learning how to, one, surrender to it right? And like really show up authentically yourself, but then also leave room for this evolution, experimentation, really fun, like to be able to have fun with it. It's not like you need a rule book to create your own style. It just feels like maybe you need a little bit of mood boarding and a little bit of confidence. And the mood boarding is more for, it's a personal thing. So the mood boarding is so the way I use mood boards is because I'll have an idea, but sometimes you can get ideas that are all, it's a little bit all over the place. What I suggest, the way that you work with mood boards is that you take images that you like, that you're viscerally kind of like that you feel when you see them, you like it. You don't know why, but whatever. Put them all on a mood board and then, then edit. So then you want to start trying to make it so this is what I would do, for example, for a photo shoot, if what I'm trying to do, like a mood board for a fashion shoot, is mm. all the ones that I think that I, you know, that I like the idea of on. And then you have to try to rein it in so that it's concise. So you can, your mood board can be just two pages, but it has to be consistent. So like you can't have contradicting images. And that's how you try to home into something to develop something that's clear. It's so interesting, again, because for me, I'm not someone who always 
thinks about my style. I probably spend more days throwing on like the first thing that I can grab in my closet because I have a meeting at 830 that I have to run to. But inherently, even that is a signal, right? It's a signal that I'm sending about my brand. And I think I never really thought about it until I became an entrepreneur. And I recognize that the way that I show up matters. I'll tell you actually a really interesting anecdote, which is while we've been in COVID, right? We've obviously gotten to know people through video and it's been only through video they've gotten to know us. So there isn't that like immediate in-person reaction. Whereas all winter long, every meeting that I was going to, I was like barging into these meetings with like combat boots and a leather coat, big sunglasses, super hardcore. And I recognized through the process of not having those in-person meetings, the reaction that that actually created. And I think like, I realized your style really does matter. Whether it is high fashion or no fashion or comfy or comforting or whatever the world may be, like you are a physical representation of yourself and it does cause a reaction in other people. Yeah. I mean, it's how you show up in the world. You are, you know, your your own walking billboard of who you are. Like, it's an advertisement of you if you want to look at it in that way. But some days I feel like a look. Other days I feel like sweatpants and a T-shirt, you know. It doesn't always have to be this thing. But I do think that if you are going into the exams, dressing up for me was very important. If I'm going to go to a meeting, if I'm going to go and have to pitch for a job, fight for a client, I'm going to show up in a look, like a look where I'm like, this is what you're getting for. This is where you're at me. (laughs) And that to me is, is important. There are other days when, so say like if I'm going to a meeting where some days I might want to be taken a bit more seriously. So like, Mm. I'm not going to wear the color, like, because, you know, I don't know, maybe I want to appear to be more mature or whatever. Mm. And I'll I'll choose a different outfit. You know, maybe I'll I'll do more of a a suited outfit. Maybe I might be a bit more conservative and serious if I want to, if I want to do that, you know. It's fun. It's like playing a character. I feel like we often don't recognize how much fun we can have with our individual style. I, for one, have always been afraid of it. And it's only now in my later 30s that I've started to say, like, this is me. Like, I came to Miami, back to the combat boots. I feel like I'm a broken record here. Also, like any combat boot brand, you can sponsor me. But I came to Miami for the summer and I brought two pairs of combat boots with me. And my mom was like, what do you need them for? And I was like, my emotion, (laughs) my emotional state. I need those boots because they make me feel... Like I can tackle anything. And I think to what you said before, it's it's super different for everybody. So it's actually really about like zeroing in and figuring out what serves you, what makes you feel a certain way, and also what might present out to the world what you want in order to achieve or reach something. And also, you have to be prepared to experiment. And you have to be prepared to get it wrong and be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world if you put something together and you don't get it right first time. Even as a professional in this business, there are things that I, that you could do that never regret, but like less favorite, <laughs> less favorite than another one, you know? And totally. So I think with anything that's creative, if you're going to give it a go, you have to be okay with not getting it right 
the first time or the second time or the third time. You just have to keep experimenting until you figure out what works for you. I love the idea of experimenting, exploring and not taking it too seriously, but having fun with it. I think that design and brand and creative, it evolves so quickly. It's funny, like we'll look back at an email, let's say that we designed for a brand six months ago and we're like, woof, how did we let that out? But like six months ago, it was great. Like six months ago, it was relevant. It felt like beautiful design, but it just, you have to leave room for evolution. And to your point, you're not the same Sophie Lopez now as you were when you first showed up in LA. You've evolved personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, in all these ways where your style's gonna reflect that. Exactly. It's always a nice, when you see images of yourself, and that's a really good way to think about it, is like when you look at images of your past self and your past outfits and your, you know, all of these things, it's a journey. It's a journey like your life is a journey, like your life is always evolving. And your style and the way you present yourself is a reflection of that. What's the Sophie Lopez brand? The Sophie Lopez brand. The Sophie Lopez brand. I think, I think it's fun. I don't think, you know, I like to approach fashion in a more playful way and not take it so seriously. And then the other thing is, I think it's, It's inclusive, like I don't, there's a big difference between fashion and style. So I'm more of a Mm. style person. I like playing around with things, whether they be, whether they be thrift things. I love flea markets, you know, but I also, you know, love Prada, like who doesn't? It's about piecing these things together and it's more style rather than like fashion, fashion. Like I would never think of myself as like one of those like really serious fashion people. I think that's what's important with your brands is to know who you are and also know who you're not and then be okay with all of those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's who, who I think my brand is. It's just like who I am. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say there. I haven't really thought that one through. <laughs> And what do you value most? Family and friends. I value... (laughs) Sophie, it looks like this is a painful question for you. (laughs) I'm just trying to think, you know, how to answer it. Like, what do I value? I value family and friends. I value being outside. And like, I like being out in nature. I love the arts, like everything, not just fashion, but all, all kinds of, I get inspiration from all of those kind of things. I just, I don't know, in life, that's it. Well, I value (laughs) you from, you know, having persistence, really getting clear on who you are, not being afraid to show up authentically, but then also having fun and experimenting through the process. Loved this conversation. And I feel like the Fahrenheit family will love it too. Thank you so much. So for joining us today. Much Fahrenheit. (laughs) Thank you for having me and congratulations on your podcast and everything you've accomplished. It is inspiring. 